child of God, I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. And then we say a prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, He is risen! Now, give them a hug so they can appreciate that. We'll be today in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. I want to read that first, and then then, uh, I'll try to be brief. So if you have your Bibles open there, let's follow together. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, Well, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. She gave also to her husband and with her, who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife had hidden themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman you gave to me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, That serpent deceived me, and I ate. And then the Lord said something to the serpent. Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. This verse, circle it, highlight it in your Bible, key verse for our our message today. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you, you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. Verse 16. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it, cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you will be taken. You were taken, and for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now the man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and clothed them. Easter eggs. We do a little Easter egg hunt uh, here in Jinx, the community Easter egg hunt. Uh, yesterday we had like 300 kids up at the high school stadium. 
uh, hunting Easter eggs on the football field. The funny part about hunting Easter eggs on the football field is there's nothing to there's nowhere to hide them. <laughs> the grass is not tall, and uh, it's easy to find the 2,000 eggs per age group scattered out across the field. If the wind's blowing really well, we get to move them back into where we scattered them because it'll blow them around on the field. But one of the best parts about that is watching the the children pick up all those eggs. There's over 2,000 eggs per age group, and I would gather within a couple of minutes, they're all picked up. It's just like locusts. When we say go, it's gone. But here's the thing. There's a surprise in each of those eggs. So they would open it up and find either a piece of candy or a toy, or they were hoping for a coupon of some kind to redeem for a bigger prize up at the gift table or at the prize table. But there was a surprise in the egg. And that's what Easter eggs like that provide for us is a surprise. And so this series, I want us to take four Sundays and we're going to look at four times in the Old Testament where, surprisingly enough, the passage talks about Jesus Himself and how important it is to us to know who He was and why that was mentioning Him and what that's going to affect us and how it affects us today. So, strap it down and let's get with it. Let me give you some context here. God had made man in His image. He created man in perfect innocence and placed him in a perfect environment. Now, I don't know about you, but I would love to have been in the Garden of Eden. I like seedless watermelon. Anybody else? If you're from Texas, you know it's, it's yellow-meated seedless watermelon. Anybody on that one? You never had watermelon then. This red stuff ain't got... You can eat yellow-meated seedless watermelon from South Texas. Don't take it from South Florida, South Texas. Say it again. He got see. I knew I liked Michael for a reason. Amen. Dirty water. Dirty water. Somebody help Corey out there. No, never mind. Oh, listen to her. Here we go. All right. Should have never brought it up. Should. But it was a great. It was a perfect place. I don't know. Can you imagine living in a place that was like that? I mean, you didn't have to worry about sunshine or nighttime or. Death or dying or pain or anger. Wow. It's been an amazing deal. An amazing place. Then God made a perfect companion for him. How many of you men uh, are married to the perfect companion? <coughs> oh, those, I'll give you another shot, fellas. How many of those men? How many of you men are married to the perfect companion? Let me see those hands. Come on now. <coughs> How many wives don't know that? <laughs> Never mind. Oh, okay, let's move on, preacher. All right. See, they were enjoying unbroken, unhindered fellowship with God in Genesis 2. The only restriction they have in this particular place, in this perfect Garden of Eden, is one tree. One tree was the only restriction that they had. Can you imagine? God's going to give you everything that you could possibly enjoy in a place except for one tree. Now, you, know, you and I know that we could just simply go, no problem, I won't mess with that tree. There's no way I'll go near that tree. No! Right? 
How many of you would stay away from that tree forever? You'd never go over there because God said so. You liar, put your hands down. And the reason I know that is because Satan is crafty. You see, there's times when I've said to God, I've made a promise to God, I'm going to stop this or I'm going to overcome this with the help of you and your spirit, only to do what? Go right back to it. Well, why didn't I go back to it? I was sincere when I made that commitment to stop it and not go back there anymore. Because Satan is a crafty being. And he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Adam's warned to stay away from it. But he ate anyway. Because of that woman you sent. Now, we could do so much sermon material out of just this section of Scripture. But it was during this time, it was during this time that God is establishing for us a coming Savior, a Lamb who would be slaughtered for us, a Lamb who would have to shed innocent blood so that we could have salvation. This is the story. This is the first time that you hear this story about Jesus, His death and His resurrection. They're all within this story. All contained within verse 15 of this story. You see, they became aware of their naked condition. And they sought cover by putting fig leaves together. In the midst of that tragedy, God comes into the garden and wants to fellowship with... Can you imagine God Himself coming to fellowship with you in a garden of Eden? God Himself? Wow. Now, I remember when I went away to college, and I went away with the chip on my shoulder like, Yeah, my mother doesn't know anything. Psh, dumb old woman. What does she know? Now, my dad already died, so I didn't have to talk about how dumb he was. But you know what I'm saying? My mother was dumb. I mean, she just didn't know anything. Well, it came laundry time. Some of you heard me tell this story. But it became laundry time. And I was short on funds. I looked at my funds, and I realized that I had enough money for one load of laundry. Nobody told me about separating stuff. Nobody said anything. So I throw it all in there. And for the next month, I had to wear pink underwear. Because somehow or other, it went in white and come out pink. I don't know what's in that machine, but I stayed away from it from then on. But the best news is my mother became a very smart woman. I called her. I asked her. I said, Mom, why did this happen? I don't hear anything on the other end of the phone. I thought she's gone into a coma or something. All, and then finally I hear her gasp for air. <laughs> I said, are you okay? She says, yes, I'm just trying to get my breath back from laughing so hard at you. But anyway, she became a very smart woman. I would suspect at some point Adam and Eve began to look at God in a whole different way. But he would come and he would walk with them, fellowship with them, sit down and talk with them. They'd probably eat a meal together. They would drink something together. It was just a great time. You, you know how those are. You'll get into a coffee shop somewhere uh, nowadays, Starbucks or whatever, and uh, you go in there and you'll sit down just to visit. And it doesn't matter about what you're drinking or eating. It's about the fellowship, isn't it? 
Now, you can have just a cup of water and still have a great fellowship. Can you imagine? Adam blames Eve. Eve blames the serpent. And then God puts His judgments upon them. But verse, verse 15 just shines as a beacon out of this whole text. Verse 15. Illuminating. Illuminating the grace of God in our life. In this verse, the seed is mentioned. The gospel of salvation is that seed, that grace of God. For the first time, we glimpse this Lamb of God who will later give Himself on Calvary's cross to redeem a lost and a dying world. Here we can see the first stitch of the scarlet thread of redemption that courses its way through the entire Word of God. Well, there's a good tweetable moment, so you might want to throw that one in. Let me repeat that for you. The scarlet thread of redemption that courses its way through the entire Word of God. <laughs> That's probably the last one you get. But anyway, here we go. This precious verse gives us that very first pro- promise of the Word of God re- regarding the Lamb. So in the remainder of our time, I want to talk about the Lamb. I want us to look at the personality of the Lamb. And then I want, to sh- I want to draw you a couple of portraits of the Lamb. But let's look first at His personality. First thing I notice about the personality of this promised Lamb is that it was unique in its origin. This Lamb was unique in its origin. It says in this verse, that it is the seed of the woman. It's a strange statement because by God's very design, the seed is provided. This is God's plan, not my plan. Not culture's plan. This is God's plan. The seed that brings forth life comes from the man. Anybody want to? I'll wait. In this day and age, we need to hear this message. Yes. It's not what you think you are. It's not. You're born the way you are. Work with it. Work with it. The beautiful part about being in God is that we can love each other no matter what we are or what we think we are. Because love should supersede anything else that we feel. Amen? But seed, by God's plan, was from the male. But we're told here that the woman will produce an offspring without the aid of a man. It gives us the first kernel of great truth that will be more fully understood the further we go in life. This tells the first prophecy of the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. When it says, from the seed of the woman. Now, Satan didn't understand it. Adam and Eve didn't understand it. God indicates that He would send this lamb into the world through a woman without the involvement of a man. Woo! That didn't make sense. Angel Gabriel announced it to Mary, Joseph, that they would be having this son. But why was that important? And why is this important for us to understand? Well, the Bible clearly teaches that sin and sin nature are handed down through man, according to Romans 5. Every person who's entered this world through the old-fashioned method of sexual union between a man and a woman has inherited a sin nature and is in fact a sinner at birth. Romans 3.10, Galatians 
birth of Jesus has and was different. Since He came into the world without a human father, He was born without sin tainting Him. He could claim sinlessness because of the way He was born over the way you and I are born. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says it this way, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And what makes the birth of Jesus particularly unique is the fact that He was no ordinary baby, but He was and is God in the flesh. Now I want you to see that the Lamb is unique in His occupation. The Lamb was coming into the world to battle the forces of evil. We're told that He's coming to bruise the serpent's head in verse 15. See it? To bruise the serpent's head. That refers to a fatal injury. The Lamb was coming to this world not to show men a better way to live. He was not coming to improve their environment, not coming to improve their social standing. He was coming to defeat evil. That's why He came. To defeat evil. His sole mission. Hebrews 2.14 Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, He Himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death He might render powerless Him who had the power of death, the devil. The devil. So this promised one was coming to deliver humans from the sin into which it had just fallen deeply. Many men and women would battle evil over the years. And this one would deal it the death blow. He was coming to do for men what they could never do for themselves. He was coming to secure their liberty and salvation from sin. Even though they would try themselves, they couldn't attain attain it. Now I want you to see the purpose of the promised lamb. First, he came as a warrior. You see the words enmity or also can mean hatred or enemy. Brings to mind that natural hatred humans have for serpents. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a snake friend at all. Any of you friends of snakes? You know, you've got to hug them and let them crawl on you. I don't know about you, but that just doesn't, that's just not in my wheelhouse. I don't want it. The only good, the only good snake I know is a dead snake. If his head is severed from his body, have you ever seen the body still working like this? I'm telling you, the devil never quits. You know what I'm saying? But cut the head off of the serpent. Throw it away. Don't even get close to it. Did you realize that a rattlesnake, you cut its head off, it can still bite you and kill you? Stay away from it. That's why your mother and dad said, don't go around with certain people. They look like snakes to your mom and dad. But I'm not a snake hugger. Wendy Bagwell's traveling evangelist and has a group, the, the uh, Wendy Bagwell and the Sunlighters. They were singing at a southern Kentucky church. And they had baskets up on the front row under the seats. About halfway through the concert and presentation, a couple of older ladies walked up to the front and took the lid off the baskets laying there, and there was rattlesnakes in there. And they grabbed them and started holding them and letting them hold them and Wendy looked over at his one of his partners. He said, uh, Jerry, where's the back door? Jerry said, I don't think they got one. He said, where do, where do they want one? <laughs> that's, that's how I feel about snakes. 
Don't like them. I don't care. You know, people say, oh, it's an old garden snake. I don't care. It's crawling on the ground and it looks ugly. Now I ain't going to mess with it. I don't care if its head is well, not very big. I don't care how big the head is. I'm not going to examine the head size. Kill it. Get rid of it. I think I've said enough about snakes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Sister, sister, brother, brother, brother Mike, don't tell me any of that stuff. <laughs> I grew up in Wichita Falls, Texas, and one of the thing, one of the fun things that I always thought—I guess people think it's fun—but I thought it was silly was the rattlesnake hunt they were doing in Warica, Oklahoma, and they would always put that in the paper and the pictures of people catching 30, 40, 50 rattlesnakes. And I thought, really, that's the best thing you can do in a day's time. But the snake represents, at least in our context here, he's, he's the bad guy. The serpent's the bad guy. And so God is going to battle him through the seed of the woman and is going to come to defeat him. Jesus, this is an instant prophecy in, in, in 3.15, and, and Jesus dies on the cross, he rises from the dead, and Satan did everything in his power to stop that seed of the woman from being born. He worked through Cain to kill Abel in Genesis 4, sought to corrupt the human bloodline through evil marriages in Genesis 6, tried to kill the people of Israel in Egypt, Exodus 1 and 2, tried to bring about their destruction by leading them into gross idolatry during the kingdom years of Israel. Then when Jesus was born, Satan tried to destroy him as an infant in Matthew 2, tried to lead him to sin on the Mount of Temptation in Matthew 4, Tried to get Jesus to claim the crown without giving to the cross, giving or going to the cross in John six. Tried to kill the Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke twenty two. What Satan did not realize was that the greatest battle, the greatest shot, was going to be fired by heaven, and it was instantly when Jesus rose from the grave. When he rose from the grave, Satan's head was crushed. Isn't that awesome? And that's our hope. Without it, we've got nothing. We've got nothing without it. Then I want you to see the portrait of a winner. He came as a winner, bruising the head. The seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. It refers to a fatal injury, a crushing or a striking the serpent might strike the heel of the coming lamb, but the lamb would crush the head of the serpent. It's one thing to get me in the feet, but it's another thing for me to crush your head. And it was all fulfilled on the cross. The Lamb of God enduring death for God's elect, but death could not hold Him. On that third morning, He rose from the dead as the victor in the greatest battle ever waged. In His dying and rising again, he inflicted that mortal wound on the head of Satan. And then Satan will be ultimately cast in the lake of fire, according to Revelation 20.10. The prince of life entered the arena of battle with the prince of death. And when the battle had ended, the prince of life emerged as the lone victor. He became the first fruits from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15.20. He promises eternal life to all who receive him by faith, John 5, John 11. You see, we're not just on the winning side. We are on the side that's already won. We're not on the winning side. We're on the side that's already won. There's another tweetable moment for you. Throw that one out there. 
Now let me give you the portrait of this promised lamb. First, it was the portrait of sacrifice. Imagine the horror that must have filled the hearts of Adam and Eve as they witnessed death for the very first time. They had never seen bloodshed. They had never seen heartache or felt heartache or understood heartache until now. Because the Bible says that God, God took an animal, slaughtered that animal so that He could provide the coverings for Adam and Eve. So it was the death of an innocent lamb, an innocent animal, and that shed blood that provided salvation for these two. Wow, do you see the correlation for you and me? That seed of woman eventually made it to the cross and shed His blood so that you and I would have forgiveness of sin. That'll work, won't it? It's fantastic to remember that and to realize it. 1 Peter 2.22 reminds us that Jesus did not deserve it. He was not a sinner. He didn't deserve to die. But He came to the world to have His heel bruised so that He might crush the head of the serpent. See, sometimes you've got to take on a little pain in order to find victory. Because in that pain, you, you realize some changes you need to make. Your marriage may be in trouble. Your kids may be obnoxious. I saw where a mother stood up. And Steve Harvey uh, has his own talk show. And during part of the show, he does a Q&A from the audience. And this mother stood up the other day and she said, I have an 11-year-old daughter who uses that phrase. What is that one little Louisiana girl? Cashy outside? How about that? Yeah. So Steve Harvey, she goes, I really don't know what to do with her. She back talks and, and says that all the time. Steve Harvey started walking. He said, turn to her and say, cash you outside. And so when she gets outside, he said, wham, just knock her flat on her back. Well, she'd be arrested today, wouldn't she, for child abuse. How many of you guys got invited outside? Now see your hands? And you're still with us? I can remember the sound of the belt coming around the waist of my dad. That was an ugly sound. Never want to hear that sound as long as I live. But he beat me. I called it beating. I asked my mother why he didn't spank us more. She said, well, he's getting to the point where he didn't like you anymore, so he's going to kill you if he started. So I'm kind of glad he backed off. But we won. We win. We have one. Jesus brought us that victory. But you need to stop and remember everything He went through. Every stripe on His back. Every agony He suffered. Every disgrace He endured. Everything He suffered during His life. His trial. His death. was all because of our sin. He was marred for you according to Isaiah 52. He bled for you. He died for you according to Isaiah 53. Realize that Calvary was God's billboard screaming out of His love for sinful man. Romans 5 eight says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But I want you to look at the scene and see how awful hatred, how much hatred that God has for sin. 
Look at that cross. See the boundless love God has for sinners. Look to the suffering Savior and live. And live. Then the last thing, the next portrait. Portrait of sufficiency. After Adam and Eve sinned and became aware of their nakedness, they attempted to cover themselves by making aprons of fig leaves. But their efforts, their efforts were insignificant or insufficient. And God killed an innocent animal to provide that covering for them. Hebrews 9.22 says, And according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. It's a clear picture of the inability of man to make himself presentable to God through his own efforts. Man needs a covering that he cannot provide for himself. Man needs a covering that he cannot provide for himself. And when Jesus, the Lamb of God, came into this world and died on the cross, He provided a sufficient covering for the sinfulness of all mankind. Isn't that great? Say hallelujah, would you? The whole point is this. You can try anything you please. You can try religion. You can try good works, clean living. You can try to please the Lord. But nothing will be sufficient Nothing will be sufficient to deal with your sin problem until you come to Jesus and are saved by His grace. And you unite with Him in the likeness of His death, burial, and resurrection at baptism. And then you rise from that water to walk a new life. That's when you begin to experience it. That's when you begin to understand it. And so many of you, perhaps so many of you today, are just still struggling with that. And giving that part of your life over to the Lord. You know, I'm sorry that Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. I can't imagine what the world would be like, how different it would be if they didn't sin. But they did. And because they did, you and I then were born into this world with a desperate sin problem. I thank God that He saw our need and sent His Son Jesus into the world to die on the cross as that perfect Lamb for me. Please think of how much God loves us to plan the story of our freedom in such detail and over such a long time. His love is incredible. He died. How, does this, how does this apply to me? What does it mean to me, preacher? How do I leave here with a nugget of this? Well, here it is. You may feel like you don't have much to offer God. You may feel like you've done something and God could never, ever love you. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. For every sin that you've committed, I've committed, or ever will commit, Jesus hung on the cross and took care of it. I'll wait. <laughs> you see, God's not going to throw you away. God's not going to throw you away. I don't care what it is or how bad you think it is, He's not going to throw you away. Well, what about murder, preacher? He'll still love you. What about abortion? He'll still love you. What about divorce? He'll still love you. What about disobedience to my parents? He'll still love you. You see, there's nothing. How about lying to the policeman? He'll still love you. How about cheating on my grades at school? He'll still love you. 
Well, what about not eating all my peas on the plate? He's still going to love you. Maybe not your mom as much, but he's going to love you. And then if you eat the peas, he really loves you. Amen? There's nothing you can do, I can do, but it's already been done. The God who put an incredible plan in place for Jesus to come loves you despite your sin. That's the good news of Easter. 